Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your host is Becky Olson. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Becky Olson. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Becky Olson. I'm the co-founder of Breast Friends. I'm also a five-time survivor of advanced stage breast cancer, a motivational speaker, and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. Well, today is July 1st, uh, as the day that we're recording this. Don't know when you'll be listening to it, but it's July 1st. And I wanted to just take a moment to really honor and thank all of those people in our in our lives that have really made this country what it is. You know, it, it, there's so much turmoil right now. Every time you turn on the news, you just can't seem to get away from it. But it doesn't doesn't take away from what the people that have preceded us, what they did to help us become the country that we are. So I want to just, if you don't mind, we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to take just a few seconds, and I would just love you to have a moment of silence and just think about those people in your life that have served this country, anyone that, that's really touched touched you in a positive way that has made you who you are today. Just think about those people for just a moment. I promise it'll just be a few seconds. So thank you for bearing with me, and I hope you'll do this with me. Thank you very much. And I know that that's something you never do on radio is take silent time. (laughs) So um, radio time is very valuable, right? But thank you. I think that was a valuable moment. And um, with that, today our guest is Lisa Ziner. And Lisa is a senior instructor, evaluator, support specialist at Pet Partners. And I'm so excited about this topic because I have a little dog that I know you've heard me talk about before. His name is Swayze, and he's sitting in his little bed in my office right now and I'm hoping that he'll talk to me at some point during this show I don't know if he will or not but um, he brings me so much joy and he is I'm so grateful for him and when we talk about things that that bring us joy in our lives I think it's helpful to just take a moment to think about the things that we're grateful for and I am grateful for for Mr. Swayze so um, and I, I think that pet animals pet therapy animals can bring us so much joy in our lives And I wanted Lisa to come on and talk with us about it because I think people are missing the mark by not having an animal in their life. And I would love to see so many animals get adopted. Mr. Swayze was a a, a adopted pet. I got him five years ago and he was at a kill shelter when we got him. And I'm just so thrilled that we have him. So anyway, Lisa, welcome to our program. Thank you so much for agreeing to to join me today. I really appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate the opportunity, Becky. This is a privilege to be able to speak with you today. Thank you. Well, you know what? I we You and I had a little chance to visit yesterday. And um, before we kind of get right into the heart of what we're going to talk about, would you just take a minute and just tell our audience just a little bit about yourself, maybe if you have any hobbies or your family or just whatever you'd like us to know about you? 
Well, I'm married with two children, and I've had the privilege to um, work with a lot of the animals, um, lots of animals in my life. Many are the species which Pet Partners registers, what we'll talk about today. Um, I've always been a volunteer, but it wasn't until the kids came along that that went into focus, you know, volunteering at the school, the Humane Society, and then um, Oncology Infusion, which I started to do after my husband's cancer diagnosis. Mm-hmm. It was that work at the cancer center that led me to animal-assisted interventions and pet partners. Animal-assisted interventions. I've never mm-hmm. heard that phrase before. So is, what, what is that, what is that that's specifically? The, that's the overarching term. So you have animal-assisted um, interventions, then you have animal-assisted therapy, you have animal-assisted education, and those are the, the sub-boxes under that oh, okay. um, umbrella term. I've never heard that term, so I, I like that. So, so you got into this because of your husband's situation, and and how did that help you guys? It was phenomenal. At the, at the same time, my husband had his cancer diagnosis. I started visiting an oncology infusion at Peace Health, and we were lucky enough to um, find a wonderful rescue dog. We've had de- dogs all of our lives, but. Chance, that was his name because he was given a second chance. Aww. From the first day he came into our home, we knew this dog was different. Yeah. Zen-like qualities, always knowing when the kids' friends would come over, which one needed the assistance. Maybe their Aww. family was going through a problem or something was happening. You'd walk into the room and it's like, why is Chance with Trevor or why is Chance with Jake? And then you'd hear, oh, something at home has happened. He always seemed to be able to know what that was and pick that up. You know, animals are so incredible. Last week I had a guest on that we t- we talked about equine therapy and the horses do the same thing. They, you know, they, the horse kind of picks the person that they want to work with. And it's just incredible to me the, the super instincts that these animals have. They're, they're just glorious. And I'm so thankful that we, that we have him. Now you have had an opportunity to work all over the world. I mean, I was reading your resume and my gosh, you've been, You've been everywhere. <laughs> so, so tell us about that a little bit. Well, thanks to Alonco Health, they were the ones that enabled us to um, expand internationally. We'd always had an international footprint, but with this additional money, we were able to fly not only myself, but other um, trained individuals around the country, around the world. My first one was 2017. My very first uh, training was in Seoul, Seoul South Korea. Um, wow. So you've done all this travel and all this visiting in all these different countries around the globe since 2017. Is that right? In three correct. years you've done all that? Mm-hmm. Yes. So what was that like? It's busy. <laughs> it, very busy. Um, a lot of uh, work go into any of our trips. Um, we have to train um, all of our candidates and people who are interested way ahead of time. Um, there's a six-week course, and then I fly there. And then we usually spend a few days with them, working with them, making sure they're up to speed. Um, wow. And then we're off to the next location. Wow. So I'm going to guess that that's all on hold right now, too. You're not going to be able to do any of that for a while. But but I'm sure there's plenty for you to do here at home, right? There is. And we're looking at a lot of virtual options, just like everyone else is. Um, so we can continue to move on and move forward. Good, good. Well, let me ask you, this is kind of the big question, I think, that it crosses a lot of people's mind. If they really aren't tuned into all of this, would you tell us what the difference is between a service animal and a therapy animal? Okay. We, I get this question asked a lot. A service animal is going to be an animal that is trained to an individual. 
It is going to have specially trained skills for that individual to assist them. It may be um, a dog that smells, you know, for insulin, tells their um, their owner that they need their insulin shot. Um, it may be a mini horse who uh, acts as a guide horse, just like guide dogs do. Um, really? A guide uh, horse? Yes. Never those, ADA has um, recognized mini horses as guide horses. That's that's awesome. So, okay, cool. And, you know, you, like I said, they're only going to work with one individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, a therapy animal is an animal that we want to be able to it's, be comfortable seeing lots and lots of people and interacting with lots of people and very outgoing personality. And they are going to serve their community versus serving the individual. Ah, okay. So, Swayze, did you hear that? He's laying on the floor still here. Did you hear that? You have to serve more than me to be a therapy animal. <laughs> oh, well, he does. Everybody loves him. So it, it seems to work out. So what kind of animals make the best therapy pets? Or, or does it really matter? I mean, can any animal become a therapy animal? Well, Pet Partners registers nine different animals um, because we understand that not everybody is a dog person. Not everybody is a cat person. Um, we register birds, pigs, Horses, llamas, alpacas, mini horses, rats, cats, and dogs. I think I got all nine of them. Um, wow. Especially with children like with autism and whatnot, we find that by having been able to interchange our species, you may be, find a better connection. Wow. So are these animals all then <clears throat> trained in a special way or are they just kind of naturally sort of I don't know. I don't know what the, what the words are, are I'm looking for. Um, so do you have to have, have the animal trained to be a therapy animal? Correct. Um, all of our animals need obedient skills, um, and they need really strong socialization and support from their handlers. Okay. That's what enables them to do this wonderful work. It's because the handler is supporting them. We have a couple of acronyms we call one is PETS, which is presence, eye contact, touch, and speech when you work with your animal. And another is Yayaba. You are your animal's best advocate. So when you go into a setting, you're going to advocate for your animal, explain to the client how to pet them and work with them that's the most successful for them and the animal. That's wonderful. Um, So to receive a therapy animal, um, to have the benefit of having one, do you have to have a prescription from your doctor? It really depends on where you're going to get your visit. A lot of hospitals do have their doctors write our um, visit right into their orders, but that's not necessary. We go to assisted living. We do a lot of other visits where in a hospital setting, for example, they'll give um, the, the volunteer handler, say, go to this floor or these rooms have said that they would like to have a visit today. There's nothing special. It's just they've already, they're part of that system, so they can go into any of these rooms and provide that therapy. So it's a combo. Um, we also have a lot of animals who work in rehab and work with, um, you know, uh, occupational therapists, that kind of thing. And in those, that's definitely um, more directed and overseen. Okay. And then how do you, if you wanted to have your own therapy animal, because what I'm, what I'm hearing, I just want to make sure I'm clear on this. So with, with pet partners, you actually bring the animals into a facility and then you'll visit whoever either needs that visit or has requested a visit or whatever. But if somebody wants their own therapy animal, um, do you, is there a special kind of training you have to put your own animal through to have them certified as a pet as a therapy animal or can you just love on your animal a lot like I do with my t- he's not trained to be a therapy animal believe me <laughs> but, but he he provides so much therapy for me and um 
so what's what's the story on that? That that's true. You're absolutely right. Any animal can be a wonderful therapy for their handler. But not every animal is going to be able to have all the skills and everything that needs to be able to get into a car and go to a strange facility and meet with strangers every day. Okay. Um, but we all animals have that ability to give you um, the joy and the comfort. Okay, so it's it's really it's just really the connection that you make with your own animal that whether it's providing you with that therapy or not that will kind of dictate that from what I'm hearing. Yes, it's innate. It's innate okay. um, quality cool. that they have. Cool. All right. Well, thank you. We're going to actually take a, a, a justified break now <laughs> so we can put our, our uh, messages up there from our sponsors. And we will be back in a minute, so stay tuned. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Female cancers affect women, but women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. Before we continue on, I wanted to just mention to all of you who are listening to our program um, today and and any other times that you're listening to it, um, we would love to have you get involved with our show. And there are four ways that you can do that. One is you can share the link to the program. And if you know anyone who's had questions about therapy animals, share the link to this radio show with your friends and just say, you got to listen to this because this is how we grow our audience. And also, um, you can donate to keep this program alive and going. And the best way to do that is to text BF Radio, which stands for Russ Friends Radio, to 41444. And you can make a donation via text that way. And, it, and that money will go directly to the radio show. Um, you can join our Facebook group page, which is Breast Friends Around the Globe. And introduce yourself to the group. Let us know where you're listening from. And we are we have a goal to be heard in every country. And just so you know, 
we are we have been heard now in over 113 well i guess in 113 countries at this point so we're really excited about that and the show is growing we've got listeners in vietnam and china and russia and all kinds of places. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. I've got a map in my wall with pins all over the map. So it's really fun to see how many people are listening and where they're listening from. Very exciting. And then the last thing is to consider nominating yourself as a guest to be on my show. If you have something really, a different perspective on something or an inspirational story that you want to share with us that you think would really speak to our our cancer audience, we would love to hear from you. So write to me at becky at breastfriends.org and let me know that you're interested in being on the radio show and why. And then we'll have a little chat and see if we can't get you plugged in. So so make sure you do that, okay? There's four ways. So, um, And on that note, we are going to come back to our program and welcome back our guest, Lisa. So Lisa, um, I want to kind of switch gears now a little bit and talk very specifically about... Um, well, the pet partners, just a little bit about pet partners, but I want to talk specifically about what um, what animals do for us, you know, these therapy animals. What what do they do for us and what do we do for them? Because I have a feeling it's a two-way street. So um, I, I pulled up a page on your pet partner's website, and it was on some of the benefits of to cancer patients for having a therapy animal. So can you speak to some of those things? Sure. Um Pet partners, when we started back in 1977, actually started on the research side. It wasn't until 1990 that they actually started the Pet Partners Therapy Animal Program where volunteers go out to do their visits. So most of what we do is based on science. It's based on research. Um, we have found, you know, general medical settings, um, AAI, Animal Assisted inter, um, Interventions, uh, lead to less fear and anxiety for people undergoing medical treatment. Um, we find hospitalized, um, hospitalized, hospitalized patients um, have a imp- better mood. Uh, they don't perceive pain as much. Um, it de- decreases their respiratory rate. Um, we can get them up and walking, which gets them, they have shorter hospital visits. Specifically speaking to cancer, we have found that it leads to lower levels of depression for um, chemo patients. That was a study mm-hmm. done back in 2007. Oh, I believe that. My, my my little guy is really, really good at pulling me back into where I need to be. So he's, he's pretty amazing that way. So yes. uh, yeah, I get that one. Um, I also read that it, it con- contact with dogs and cats strengthens our immune system. How does it do that? Well, especially with animals or with children, when, when you have animals in the home, we find that children um, can overcome their asthma and some of the other issues that they may have um, with allergies by being exposed to these animals at an early point in life. So um, would that have anything to do with being like a hypoallergenic animal or one that like my dog has hair, not fur, so he doesn't shed like a lot of animals do. So would you have to pay attention to that if you've got a child that maybe has asthma or some kind of a condition or does it matter? It doesn't, at least with our doctor, it doesn't really matter. When when my children were growing up, my son was allergic to our, one of our horses. When I'd go out to the horses and I'd come in and touch him, he'd break out in a rash. And I said, what do I do? I'm not going to sell my horse. And uh, <laughs> she said, just keep exposing him to it. Have him out there. Have him working with it. Um, a little bit of exposure every day until he developed. Um, he no longer has a breakout. And it was just by being there every day, just in little doses. Um, uh, that, that okay. definitely helped. Okay. Well, that I never really 
thought about that, but that makes that makes perfect sense. Um, and, and it talked about lowering blood pressure. So when I know when I have my dog sitting on my lap and I'm just stroking him and petting him, he's just in heaven. And honestly, so am I. And so that's probably how they lower our blood pressure. Was there is there more to that story? Not a whole lot more. Um, just by having the animal in the room, usually it redirects your mind. And when your mind gets redirected, it's off of what is causing the anxiety. So you're doing more of what you enjoy and, and not really thinking about what is scaring you at that moment. Um, we find a lot of times, I mean, I have case after case after case where someone's gone into the hospital, they need a treatment, they can't have that treatment until their blood pressure comes down. And They've tried everything. In comes the dog or the cat. A few minutes later, their blood pressure goes down to where they can get their Interesting. Um, I, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. I just I find it fascinating, though, that it's been kind of proven that way. That's, that's great. And then it says it encourages exercise. Now, that I get because my dog, if I use the words, I have to spell it G-O-F-O-R-A-W-A-L-K. I'll let you say it because he can't hear you. <laughs> Over a walk. <laughs> yeah. If I say that out loud, his ears go straight up and he heads, he just can't wait. He can't get out fast enough. So I get that. And, uh, but I don't, I don't run him. I can't run him now with, with my health being as it is. So I, but I can walk him. And, and is that good enough exercise for, for my animal too? Or does he still, do you think he needs to be run sometimes? Well, no, I, I think as long as he's getting exercise with you, that's enough. Um, it, it encourages exercise because we have to do those things for them. Mm-hmm. But it also encourages exercise because, and you will find this if you really become in tuned to the animal's body language, mm-hmm. they know when you need that break. They're going to come mm-hmm. in. My dog will put his head on, on my lap, for example, if I'm having a bad day. I realize that he's saying it's time to take a break. The cat might come across and lay on my laptop and say, you, you've you been sitting at this computer for hours. It's time to take a break. It's time for you to, <laughs> to walk away from the desk. And it was the same way with my rabbit. I had my rabbit in my office. And um, as my days would go on, sometimes you get mad at computers. You know, you have technical issues or whatever. And if I got mad, she would thump. She would thump her paws. Really? And say, you know, I don't want to hear that anger from you. You need to, you need to stop and play with me. <laughs> Let's do something different for right now and t- until you can overcome how you're feeling at that moment. I love that. And, you know, they do give us signals like that, don't they? I mean, my, my husband and my, and my dog have a different relationship than my dog and I have. Um, we, we just, we just kind of do it differently. And like my, my husband likes to play rough with him and he'll play rough right back. You know, they're, they, they dig at each other and they, they just, so there's all this playful behavior and they, and they love it. But with me, he's a little more gentle and a little more calm. And, you know, I don't know if that's just intuitive or if that's now trained behavior. I'm not quite sure, but seems to work for both of us because, you know, he's, he's both, he was, he was my animal. I'm the one that picked him out and rescued him from a, a, a shelter. Um, but he and my husband bonded the minute they laid eyes on each other. So it was really, really sweet. But they again, they bond differently. So it's like it's like he knows what we both need. And, and it's just really pretty amazing to me. Um, it also said on your website that having an animal, a therapy animal, improves self-esteem. Now, is that for me or for the animal? <laughs> well, we really find that, especially with children, um, working with children in, you know, special needs or reading, when mm-hmm. they successfully read a story to a dog, 
they are, you know, they feel better about themselves. I Ah. worked in a school. Many of the notes at the end of the year when the children would write me a note to thank me, that's what they said. When I was reading to Chance, when I was interacting with him, I felt better about myself. Um, Especially with children, we see when we have a dog in the classroom, there's less truancy. um, There's far more empathy and um, even cleanliness. Um, All of our therapy animals have to go through a rigorous um, grooming protocol before we go on any visit. People know that or children knew it. So they they stepped up their game. Oh, Um, I love that. That was fascinating to watch. I mean, you could watch it in real time. You meet a child at the beginning of the year and you see see how far they've come at the end of the year when they're helping other children read because they have this empathy that they've developed by working with a therapy dog. So what what happens when a child is because I can see I can see the value of this. So a child is really smitten by a certain animal and they just really want to bond and connect with that animal. And when they're successful at that, I can see where that would give them a sense of accomplishment and, and a good feeling. What happens if they can't connect with that animal? Should they try a different animal or does the child need training or does the animal need training? Or What, what happens when, when they, because I've seen that happen where they just can't connect and, you know, they're just they're growling and gurring and all this stuff going on. And I, I don't know what that, what that is. What, what, do you have any, any comments on that? How do you overcome that? There are, well, that's part of our evaluation process. Not every animal we have found is going to like every client that they come in t- um, contact with. Okay. That is one of the things that we stress, that, and it's why we train the handler, mm-hmm. because we want the handler to be ready for situations like this, because you aren't, not everyone is going to connect to every dog. Every dog isn't going to connect to every client. And luckily, we have enough teams, or we hope that we have enough teams, that if maybe the dog that visited that child or that client today, if that didn't connect, maybe tomorrow we'll bring in a mini horse. Maybe that mini horse will be able to make that connection. Or maybe something less intimidating if someone's afraid of dogs. Maybe that a cat would work. Um, or a rat is is there a a, something that that you as the pet owner can do to maybe help that child connect with your animal is there some little piece of training a little tidbit of information you can share with us that might make it a little bit easier for them to connect or do you just figure it's that's the way it is and you just start with a different animal no you want to take everything slow Okay. You never want to force anybody to um, to be interacting with each other. I did. I was working in one um, setting, special needs. It was a child who had autism. And when he walked into the room and saw Chance, who was a very big dog, he was terrified. Mm-hmm. Um, he cried. He um, was very upset. Uh, you know, they worked with him that day. I kept coming. And I left it to Chance. Chance figured out that this boy was afraid of him. And this is one of those innate qualities that our animals can have. Mm -hmm. Rather than coming straight at the boy, Chance would um, inch to him. Like if we were sitting next to each other, he'd kind of inch over. Um, He was always presenting his back, his back end to him, not his front end. A few weeks later, the next thing I know, I see over there that the little boy had his hand on Chance's back leg. 
Oh. <laughs> and as we worked, and it, it, was, it, it, it turns, it's a wonderful story because we had such great breakthroughs. This was a little boy who fought his parents every day to go to school. He didn't want to get ready, did not want to get on the bus, um, felt a little ostracized, you know, with everyone else in school being able to do more things than he could. And when Wednesday, that was our day. He got up, he got himself dressed, he was waiting for the bus because he knew Wednesdays was the day he got to see Chance. Oh, that's so sweet. I mean, I just, because I know that there are families that would love to have a pet, but maybe they have a child that just for whatever reason doesn't connect well with animals, maybe generally, but they still want a pet. And I'm just looking for maybe tips on how they can can do both, you know, have the child. Like you said, I'm not getting rid of the horse. <laughs> so, Right. Um, you know, you don't want to get rid of the animal or you want to get the animal. Um, can't, you don't want to get rid of the child. So how can you, how can you make this? So that I, I hear what you're saying. Just very slow. Just take it very slow. Don't expect, you know, big, you know, efforts to be made all at once because it either scares the animal or it scares the child, one of the two, or it right. can't. So, so just taking it slow and easy and, you know, maybe what about visiting a, a shelter a few times just to you know, have the child exposed to different kinds of animals. What do, what do you think of that as an idea? A lot of times what we do is we suggest, you know, I'm not a, a an expert in that field, but what we suggest is that the animals start with the stuffed animal Oh. Um, and work from there. That's what okay. I used to do at this school when a child had, um, when they had fears. I okay. would suggest that they first start with a stuffed animal mm-hmm. and then they would come and then they would just watch. They, were, they didn't participate, but they would stand back and they would watch. They'd watch the other children. And then over time, they understood that this animal wasn't going to hurt them. The other children were having a wonderful time with them. And I, maybe I was just lucky, but at the end of every school year, any of the children who had those fears had overcome them by the end of the year. They wanted to pet Chance. They wanted to read to him. They wanted to interact with him. Um, but yes, nothing happens overnight, unfortunately. So sometimes it can be a very long haul to make that connection. And you also want to be sure that the adults in the room are really understanding the animal's body language. Is the animal not wanting to interact with the child because they're fearful? Or maybe they just need to go outside for a break. You know, you really have to be able to read the animal's signals. What is that animal saying to you? And then take that information and then that's the information you use to move forward. Okay, good. And okay, so let's move on to, it also says that it decreases our risk of heart disease and that's more than just blood pressure. So how does it, how do, does having an animal, a therapy type animal help you with, with heart disease? Well, the Heart Association was one of the first that did a comprehensive study and they found that um, by having a visit, they did all sorts of tests. They did, you know, the blood test. They did a swab, cortisol. They tested it all. And they had a control group that, got, that had no visits. They had, you know, another set of group that had only volu- human volunteers and then the animals. And in all across the board, the, they had better results with the animal. And the nice thing about that was, too, is it wasn't just when the animal was there, that feeling held on. So 20 minutes later, they come back in and test that good feeling, that comfort, that relaxation. All of those good things were still happening, even though the animal had left the room. 
That's that's great. <laughs> you know, you just don't think about all these these added benefits of having an animal. I mean, I, it's just it's just it's magical. It really is magical. And boy, if we could empty out the shelters of of dogs and cats and let people adopt them, I mean, I just think it would be such such a blessing all the way around. You know, I, I read in here too that it says that it improves the physical and psychological well-being of seniors and I know my dad my dad passed away earlier this year and you know toward his later stages in life he's he was 93 when he passed but he always remembered Swayze I would take Swayze over to his house and even though he had a tough time remembering a lot of other things um, he always remembered Swayze and as soon as Swayze would come in, he'd pat his lap and like, come on here, come on up here, boy. And Swayze would climb up there and uh, on my dad's lap. And he's, and my dad was he always remembered his name. He remembered everything about him and how many times he'd been over to his house and how Swayze always seemed to really like him the best. You know? So, um, But he, it just kind of brought him to life, you know, and he would just really engage in thinking about him and enjoying him. So I just... I, I think that that there's a lot of truth in that. And is there are there more things? It's, it says improves physical and psychological. Do you have anything to, to add to that? What else it might do for seniors? Well, the other thing it does for seniors is it helps where seniors are at. If you're in assisted living, and especially I worked in memory care, a lot of times these people they 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 go maybe to anger or to depression. They may not want to come out of their rooms um, or interact or take their medicine. We bring in the therapy animal. Like you said, nobody ever remembers my name. Nobody knew who I was, but they always remember Chance. <laughs> yeah. You know, and yeah. it could get people out of the room. They can clean the room. They can do the things they need to do, which just makes the whole setting better for everyone, both the staff and the client. Uh, I'm so glad we're having this conversation. It just It's so meaningful to me personally. Um, you know what? We're going to take a break. So we're going to come back and we're going to finish this conversation. We're gonna, I'd like to talk to you about developing a deep bond with our animals. How do we do that? What are some tips and techniques we can do? to? If you have an animal right now that you got as a therapy animal, but you'd like to bond even closer with them, um, what are some tips we can do? And I'm looking at your website here. There's some great information on here. Um, so we're going to talk about that when we get back, and then we're going to talk about pet partners and some things that they do that are different than some. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Female cancers affect women, but women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A dot com. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about therapy animals with our guest, Lisa Zeiner. And Lisa, before we went out to break, we promised we would have a conversation about how we can develop a deep bond with our animal. And I know sometimes, you know, we get an animal because they're cute and we love the fact that they're just so adorable and fluffy and all of those things. And then we get them home and we find that maybe we're not bonding with them quite as well as we'd like. And so what are some things that we can do um, to maybe try to develop a deeper bond with our animal so that they can really connect with us? The very first thing that pet partners would say and that I would say is that you want to learn the language of the animal that you have. So if you bring a dog into your home, you want to do some research on and learn their body language and learn what they're saying because you want to do more of what brings them joy and less of what brings them stress. Okay. Um, that's going to be your very first thing to be able to build the strongest bond. Can you give um, us an example of that? Like what, what might body language look like if, if you're stressing your animal versus um, doing something that they really enjoy? Well, for example, like when I would visit with Chance at, at an assisted living, um, a lot of times it was very hard to keep him focused on the client because he was looking outdoors. There was a school next door. The children were playing. And I'm, I'm watching him. And at first I was thinking, oh, he's interested in the squirrels. Not a big deal. We'd make a joke. You'd move on. But then I noticed that over and over again, it was children. That when I was with children, his body was more relaxed. His tail was more relaxed. All part of his body. You could see that he was enjoying these interactions. And I had to stop and think. Maybe assisted living isn't the place. Maybe children are, uh-huh. are a better fit for us. So we started okay. doing that with children. And he and I became, we have a stronger bond because I was giving him more of what made him happy and less of what made him not so happy. Um, and every time we went out, we developed a stronger and stronger bond because the two of us were working together to work with these children. And he knew that we were a team. You really want to build that teamwork. You can build it through agility. You can build it by taking daily walks. But you want to have that bond with them. And you want to be able to, you want to understand what they're saying to you. Um, And I think that's where a lot of the disconnect comes when people can't make a connection with an animal is that they're having trouble reading what the animal is telling them. Okay, so let me give you an example of something, and maybe you can tell me what my animal is telling me. <laughs> so sometimes when I take Swayze out for a W-A-L-K, because, again, he's still sitting here, um, when I take him out, 
We'll go out for a while. He'll do his potty stuff. We'll take care of all that. And then I try to bring him back. And he's a little guy. He's just a little terrier mix. He's cute as can be. Looks like Toto. But he will just dig his feet in and like, nope, not going back. What's he telling me? Does he want to walk more or does he want to run? Does he need to go poop? (laughs) What's the story here? He just digs in like, no, I'm not going going in yet. I have to bribe him. I have to bribe him with with, uh, treats and stuff to get him to... To come in. So, what else could I try? It might be the bribing is why he's digging in. Um, <laughs> you know, if you if they have a trait that you're that you have an issue with, and you know you praise them or give them a treat, if that's how he gets it, he may continue. You may be developing that behavior <laughs> versus oh, getting rid of that behavior. Yeah. Um, so, how do I get rid of the behavior? You need to find something else that he um, enjoys. Uh, my dog was very treat oriented, but we can't do treats on visits. So I switched it out and I offered him a ball because he really uh, liked um, tennis okay. balls. Okay. So you, you just kind of have to change and then change it up each time. Sometimes he may, you may go home and he gets nothing. Other times he, so he's, he's always guessing. What's mom going to give me this time? Am I going to get the ball? Am I going to get my favorite <laughs> toy? Am I going to get a treat? And as long as they're guessing they're going to be a lot more compliant for what you want to do. <laughs> it's just so funny because, I mean, I, it's like you are little. You weigh a fraction of what I weigh. How can you dig in so hard, you know? And it's just, it's almost funny. And I can usually get him around to come in, but it's like, oh, you're being so stubborn. So anyway, <laughs> um, okay, so that's one thought. Okay, what else can we, so we have to get to know their body language and what it means and and interpret it correctly and um, and then respond to that. So that's that's one thing. What else can we do? The other thing is socialization. You want your animal to be comfortable around people. You want them to be comfortable around a lot of other animals. Um, the more comfortable your animal is, the more relaxed they are, the more successful you're going to be, the stronger bond you're going to create. Okay. How do we get them comfortable around other animals? That's going to be just, again, everything is a process. It's going to take some time. Um, I have taken some of my animals. You might go to a park and you're walking so they can see the other animals. One of the parts of our evaluation is all of our animals have to walk by what we call a neutral dog. It's a dog that just doesn't care. They're so into people, they don't care. But the only way you're going to get to that point is... Like I said, if you're going out, you maybe go to a play date, take them to obedience classes. You know, you just want to expose them to a lot. And as you expose them, you're watching that body language. And again, you see what works, what makes them happy, and you see what what doesn't make them happy. And you want to do less of that. Okay. It's kind of like raising your kids, isn't it? (laughs) You know, the kids you... Treat your kids in a way that that they will respect you and and don't treat them in a way that they won't. So, uh, you know, I get that. Um, All right. Well, let's talk about we're going to switch gears again just a little bit uh, because I don't want to run out of time before I get to a couple things that I really want to hear about. So we talk about people always want to bring their their therapy animal with them when they travel, when they're going to restaurants. I know you can bring service animals because service animals are actually providing a physical type service for the person and they're certified and you people strangers don't touch them I mean there's just there's some rules around that but what how do you travel with a therapy animal do you know what the rules are do they change what what's the deal on that yes there are no when it comes to therapy animals they have no rights they have no special rights 
such as a service animal. Um, You may be lucky enough to contact an airline and explain that your animal has been trained and it's registered and these are the things they do. And they may be gracious enough, you know, to allow that animal into the car, into where everyone else is sitting. But we have no rights of access. You, um, we are only in facilities because those facilities have opened their doors to us. Okay. Because I see, you know, everybody's on Facebook these days, and I see this one ad that comes across all the time. And it says, take your therapy animal with you everywhere you travel. It's the law. And and then and you just, I, I don't know if you sign up for something, but I, it sounds doesn't sound real to me. So I think I'm hearing that it's not real, and I don't know no. why what that is that ad is about I should maybe look into it but just to see what what they're trying what are they trying to pull here but um so yeah I just because I that's been our belief too is that people don't know you know we uh did a road trip a couple years ago took our dog 8,000 miles in our car (laughs) and we had a little dog stroller that looks like a baby stroller but you can zip them in completely so that there's it's it's ventilated but you can zip them in and you can't really see what's in there unless you're down at eye level with them. And we uh, went to a national monument, <laughs> and it says no pets beyond this point. And we really wanted to go beyond that point just a little bit so we could get a peek at the monument itself. And as <laughs> Sorry, I'm really telling, revealing myself here. So we pushed him in a little bit further just so we could see. And this little kid about eye level with the little doggy stroller goes, ah, Poppy! <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going, shh. <laughs> don't rat on us you know um we had to leave but uh anyway it was uh you you just you can't I guess you can't do it and it's it's sad because we want to take our pets with us we want to take them on trips with us we want to take you know let them out and free to roam and run and run and stuff but we just have to be careful and and therapy animals are don't have the same privileges as service animals and that's what you're saying loud and clear so Correct. I hear that. So let's talk about um, virtual pet therapy. I saw something on your website about some virtual pet therapy that's going on. How does that work? I'll tell you, we have some of the most amazing volunteers. When the virus hit and all the, the facilities started to close down, everyone reached out, how can we virtually do this? So we have um, we actually have a Facebook page for facilities and for um our teams, we they might videotape their animal and send it to the facility. They do Facebook Lives with the facility. We have people who've created books and um, filmed their animals to do different things. Um, the sky is the limit, I'll tell you, with some of our very imaginative volunteers who have figured out how to virtually bring their animal into the room of a client. Um, and we actually, like I said, we've created guidelines around that because it is social media. Um, and uh, we've had wonderful, wonderful results. Our animals, too, miss the visiting. So by doing the virtual visits, by setting them up, doing this filming, we can see that the animals know that, hey, we're doing something different today. But I think it's part of what we always do, which is helping people. Um, and they get very excited to help oh, to be that's filmed. Wonderful. That's wonderful. It's, you know, I don't think my dog knows when he's being filmed, but that's okay. <laughs> um, so tell us about, we're down to the last, you know, couple minutes here. So just take a minute and tell us about Pet Partners, because I know you guys do some things that are different than some other ones. So why don't you just take about a minute and tell me about Pet Partners. Okay. Pet Partners, the difference of Pet Partners versus any other organization in the world is that we run with the acronym of LEARN. 
We lessen risk of disease because we have, um, we've been endorsed by Shea. We have an infection control course. Infection control is a, a solid piece of our building block. We educate handlers on, and have continuing education where we talk about the body language, where we talk about how to communicate, say, with someone with Alzheimer's or someone with PTSD, all those different areas. We also support animal welfare by evaluating every two years. We want to ensure that the animal is still willing to do this. Sometimes handlers, they, get, they want to do this so much that they may override their animal's feelings. So we, every two years, we evaluate both the handler and the animal to see where they're at mentally and if their skills are still up. Mm-hmm. And so that rigor of an evaluation, we train everyone. We train our instructors. We train our team evaluators. We train our teams. Nothing is left to chance. Pet Partners educates everyone. And then, of course, we're the only one that registers all not, uh, nine separate species. That's wonderful. So if somebody wanted to volunteer with Pet Partners, can they just go to your website and learn learn about that? Yes. Okay. Um, they, that's exactly what they want to do. <clears throat> you want to hit the Learn tab, and it talks about, we even have a little quiz on there if you want to take the quiz to see if you and your animal are going to be the right fit. So they bring, So your volunteers actually bring their own animal into this program rather than using animals that you guys are, that Pet Partners has. Is that Correct. correct? Okay. And if they wanted to become an advocate very quickly, what does an advocate mean? But I need the the nutshell here because we got to go. An advocate is just another way to volunteer without an animal. You know, any kind of legislation will send out alerts. Got it. Okay, perfect. All right. Well, so your website is petpartners.org. That's how you can learn more about getting involved with this fabulous organization. Um, If you want to learn more about about your animal and how to get your animal trained. Uh, they've got some great information on their website. Seriously, that's where I, I looked up a lot of this, the questions that I asked her about just so we could talk about them. But a lot of great information about how to work with your animal, how, your own personal animal. So it's really it, it's really good stuff that we've got here. So uh, Lisa, thank you so much for giving me your time today and being on our show and contributing all this fabulous information. I'm so excited that you took the time. And uh, so I wish you great success. I hope you can start traveling again. And with that, we are out of time. Remember, we will be back next week. <laughs> and until then... There is always hope, and we are here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 12 o'clock noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we are here to help you find it. We'll talk again next time.